Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Haven Community Church. We're glad that you're here. Let's stand and worship the Lord here today.
Your. 
we do magnify you and we praise your name. We, we thank you as this uh, series we're just going to be talking about all that you did for us in that final week. And so, God, we give you praise. Honor and praise are yours forever. And we love you. And we just are so excited uh, that um, you just given us a good day with no rain today. That's awesome. And so we, we pray that your Holy Spirit will rain down in this place. And we love you. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen. amen. Tell somebody, hey, nice day today. kicking butt. <laughs> if you would have seen me last Sunday, there was not an ounce of good morning in me. God put me to the test. I wouldn't wish that virus on anybody. But I'm back, and I'm kicking butt with both 
ankles or feet or whatever. But I'm all excited. This has been an amazing week. You know where our youth group is? Uh, like about 15 of them and a bunch of chaperones are down at Ocean City just praising God and just raising, raising the roof down there. So that's an exciting, exciting thing. Also, um, I want to thank all the women that participated in the conference. I'm on the slow train, however, we did deliver 42 pocketbooks, 15 t-shirts, and donated them all to the Help Center. So thank each and every one of you that made a donation. And yeah, I kept one, but I prayed for forgiveness and donated three more. Anyway, I also want, to, uh, ladies, I want you to put it on your calendar, September 27th and 28th. We had the Extraordinary Women's Conference in Hershey Park. Um, I just got the packet, so watch the announcements. I will be putting it on there for the registration. And if you register before March 29th, I think we still get the discount. So we're good. Um, Laura, we are so happy to see you here today. She had her MRI, and now we're waiting for God's blessings on her report on Thursday. Um, Ruth, I just can't shout out to you enough, my friend. Uh, Ruth lost her sister, Joanne, this week. Um, and for her and Ron, this has been the fourth death in the last eight weeks of their family and friends. So you see her today, give her a big hug, because she does need them. Reach out. Um, Karen Brown, our friend, made it successfully through her surgery. Kathy Shea, my sister-in-law, is preparing for chemo and surgery. Aaron's mom, I hear she's doing better. Good. Okay, Aaron's mom's on the heel. Um, Miss Jenny, our good buddy out there, and I know she's listening, she had some surgery this week um, on her face, so we're just praying that she uh, heals and no infections and gets all healed up. Um, Liz is home from the hospital. Thank you, Jesus. And she said thank you for the prayers and to please keep praying because she's still got a long way to go. Um, and I'm really selfish, me. This Friday, 8 o'clock, every one of you better have me in your mind going, good luck, girlfriend. Um, I'm having a procedure, and I need it to go well. <laughs> so just think of me Friday. Um, Sarah is doing well with her PT, and I hear we might see her back in church real soon. So way to go, Sarah. Um, Lisa Osborne asked me, for prayers today because it was a year ago that we lost her mom, Sally Teague. So we do want to keep her in our prayers. Those anniversaries hit hard, so just make sure you uh, lift Miss Lisa up. Jessica has asked for her friend for prayers for Susan. She is transitioning into a nursing home environment. Hasn't gone exactly the way she planned, but we do want to make sure that she knows we're praying for her. Um, and Haven 201 is next Sunday. Y'all come get your personality and your spiritual gifts figured out, because it's amazing once you know. <laughs> um, and I get the honor today to invite one of our special members up here, Mr. Wes. Special, very special. Uh, I even called you the right name, George. Um, anyway, Wes has a, an announcement to make, so we're going to give him the floor. <laughs> uh, one of the ways we exalt our Lord 
as this body of Christ is through our mission work. And this month we're kicking off Miriam's Table as our mission focus. And Miriam's Table was started in 2014 after Susie and Ed Kiefer adopted a young girl named Miriam from the Mposa area of Congo near the capital of Kinshasa. And branching out, they opened this one feeding center called Miriam's Table, named it after the young lady they adopted. And they feed now 350 plus kids a day when they weren't getting fed at all before. So as a church, we've taken on Miriam's Table and we represent them very well and they appreciate all we do for them. So you'll see little soup cups out there that you can use, take home, fill with coin, cash, checks, anything that will help Miriam's Table in their efforts to feed the kids and not only feed them, but medical supplies because of all the different diseases that are rampant in that area. So we appreciate your support and look forward to all that you do provide for us. And these cups should be back by March 24th. That'll be the last day we're doing this. And we just, again, thank you for your support and all you do for not only this mission, but all the missions of this church. Thank you, Wes, and let us fill up those soup cups. Uh, lots of change, empty those jars, it's all good. All right, we're gonna put our hands on our knees and we are gonna pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day, as Jack said, no rain, and a little sunshine. Thank you for this church, that the seats are filled and we're busting out the doors. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you give us, our health, our families, those that we love, and be with those in our families that we know that are struggling financially, through health crisis, through surgeries, through upcoming chemos and treatments. Be with them and heal them. Watch over us, touch our hearts as we take our cups of soup and fill them up for Miriam's table, it's blessing other children and feeding them, that's an amazing thing. This church is always one of giving. Let us continue to give and let us each and every day continue to be your arms, your legs, your feet, and your hands reaching out to others in need. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
All right, everyone. Am I on there? Can you hear me? There we go. Everybody good? Yep. Right. Everybody good? Good. All right. Let me check. You're, be glad you're not down with the youth or else you might not be. You, you feel good with youth, but then you realize how old you are. You know, you don't realize that. Um, so all that good stuff. But a um, couple things I do want to touch on. Again, um, we're going to start a new series today, but um, this is a QR code. If you want to get your bulletin that way, feel free to do so. Plus your smartphone, and um, which makes us all dumber, and you can go ahead and use it. Um, if you want to. Um, we also, a couple announcements. Um, I want to let you know about uh, coming up on Holy Week, uh, Good Friday service. That'll be March 29th. And um, we say, gosh, that's a ways away. It won't be, right? It goes very quickly. Um, so at 7 o'clock, it's right here. And several people say it's their favorite service of the year. And um, and uh, we'll have a great time of uh, music. I'll give a message that's actually part of the series on that night. Um, and, then, um, and then we also have two options for um, Easter Sunday. We can have, um, you can go, come here at 8.15 if you want to, and then also at 10.15. Bring somebody with you. Um, it's a great time to, to have somebody come. We'll have a great time. Both the same services. I'm not, not going to do anything really different. The Holy Spirit might, but I'm not. Um, and anyway, we'll just have a great time. And just, just invite anybody who, who you love to have come with you and ask them, say, hey, what time's better for you, 8.15 or 10.15? And don't give them a choice of coming or not. Just tell them which one's better for them. And the old sales trick, right? Um, and then, then tell them I'll pick you up and bring them, bring them there and come with them and really have somebody with you who really needs to know the Lord. It'll be a great, great time. I got a message there that I'm really excited about. Um, also, and then um, it's not up here, but uh, I know that Joanna alluded to it. Next week after church, um, it is our Haven 201. You don't have to take 101 first. If you, you can just pop into 201, and then when 101 comes back around, you can connect there. This is just, as she said, you'll take a, um, a personality test. God gave you a personality, um, and, you know, God gave us a personality. Satan corrupts some peoples, right? Um, and, um, but then on top of that... Um, we also want to do a spiritual gifts assessment because you've heard me say this several times, many of you. Uh, the two most important days of, the, of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. And I believe that finding out where God has called you is really um, that important time. Okay? So that's where we are. And we are, um, I think, getting close to spring, it seems like it. And so we're going we're gonna to start a new series. Um, I do want to say to everyone, um, got lots of great feedback in, in, on the last series, um, Finding Peace of Mind. That is on the web if you think uh, others who need to know that. I do want to say this, though. When the series ends, um, our issues and problems and talking about it doesn't need to. I mean, the, we hope the problems do, but talking about it um, should never end. And so we have all kinds of ways to go through that. Um, if you're dealing with grief, we have grief share going on. Um, if you need somebody who's a Stephen minister, they'd be glad to come along beside you. And if you need counselors, I can help get you connected to some of those things. And if you just need um, to meet with me or Stephen minister or somebody else, we're glad to do that to try to help help you. Remember, we're not in this alone, okay? So our, our new series today is right here, a couple of days, one week. And so we're starting this series, and what we're going to do, we're going to look at the Passion Week, um, which is the last week of Jesus' life. And it's, so I'll give you a snapshot of what this series looks like, but I, I'm going to give you something to understand. And you have this insert in your bulletin, and if you've got really good readers, you can see it, correct? Correct. Uh, 
I can't either. I want to give you this mindset, and I'll, I'll mess up going back and forth, but this was something that came up in our study, and um, everybody in Disciple Bible Study, which uh, is meeting on Tuesday nights, is going, uh-oh, here we go again. But I want to let you know, because um, one of the things, we have time that is different. Uh, we go by the Roman time, which is right here. We get that. The Roman start of the day happens at 12 a.m., right? Our, we started Sunday when? You guys don't know. Okay, 12 a.m. is when Sunday began, and then Monday will start when? You guys are really slow. 12 a.m., okay? That's how we do time. We need a first grade teacher. Anybody here? Um, but anyway, um, so you can see that that's what happens. Now, in the, in the uh, first century and in the Jewish mindset, they start when sundown happens, and that's usually around 6 p.m. So by the time we're starting a day, they've already started, but they start the night first. So it's night before day. Got, got it? So I'm, I know it's confusing, but I want you to know this because several, sometimes you're going to come across somebody and say, well, how was Jesus in the tomb three days? Because the nights come before the days and the math works out, okay? So I just want you to know, you can look at this thing later. I'm not going to really do like I do in Bible study because they still look at me after three weeks like, what? All right, so anyway, but you can see like it's um, on Friday, you would have Friday night before Friday. Then you would have Saturday night before Saturday. Got it? So it goes from sundown to sundown is how they keep it. So we could say 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. roughly, where we do 12, uh, 12 a.m. to 12 a.m., okay? So we're all, by the time we start our day, they've already been 6 hours into the, into the night already, okay? So I just want to let you know that because you may go, what? That's okay. Um, it, but I j I'm just giving you some extra information. You can look it up, and it's really kind of cool. Um, all right, so I, I want to go through some of this week uh, a little bit before you. I'm going to give you a little snapshot of where we're going to go in this series. So when we look here, the Sunday before um, the resurrection, you can see like right here by this chart that the day, um, you can go to Sunday. So Sunday happened after Sunday night. Okay. And so that was the triumphal entry or what some people called um, the, the what? We call Palm Sunday. And people wave palm branches. We're going to talk about that today. That's the topic we're going to talk about. So we're going to start at the beginning of the week. Um, and the message today is called, Don't Let the Rocks Cry. And so then Monday of Passion Week, um, we're not going to talk much about it, but you can look at that sheet. You can see that Jesus uh, cursed the fig tree and he cleansed the temple, which means that that's our nice word for saying he went in and totally turned over tables and kicked as Joanna would say, kick butt, right? Okay, that's what we were doing. So um, that will, um, we're not going to touch on that one, um, but on March 10th, uh, which is next week, we're going to talk about what's called the Olivet Discord, Discourse, and we're going to spend some time with that. Well, that. Basically, that means Jesus spent a lot of that day teaching on the hillside east of Jerusalem in a place called Mount of Olives. I'll show you a map in today's message of some things. And at this point, they talk about this is when Jesus' authority is questioned by the Pharisees um, in the temple. And so we're going to talk about that. The uh, message next week is called AAA, all right, three A's. Um, and then Wednesday, there's not a lot of scriptures on Wednesday. Jesus mostly rested in Bethany and preparing for what would happen next. And on the 17th, our youth, which is St. Patrick's Day, our youth are going to provide the service that day. And if anybody was part of it last year, um, they did a great job and they're excited. You still get a Cohen preaching. It's Judah. All right. So he's going to be speaking next week. Uh, on, excuse me, the 17th. Then on the 20th, uh, 
on the 24th, um, which is Thursday night. Okay, see Thursday night here. So um, Thursday night is before what? No, Thursday. Okay, there we go. You bunch of Romanized people. Okay, all right, anyway. But um, so what we're going to do is um, on that one, Jesus is preparing to go to the cross. Um, this is where we talk about the Last Supper with his disciples, foot washing, going to the Garden of Gethsemane. And the message that um, week on the 24th, uh, when you also need to have the soup things back in for Miriam's, it's, and it's perfect because you need to have the soup things back in for Miriam's table, and the title of the message is Table Talk. Isn't that great how God works that out, okay? Um, and then on Good Friday, which if you go by this schedule would have been Thursday, which have been Thursday, okay, with me, our Friday, just don't worry about that, it doesn't matter, but our good, at our Good Friday service on the 29th um, at 7 p.m., um, we're going to talk about the amazing sacrifice that Jesus gave for us on the cross, and we're going to remember what he did um, as we studied the crucifixion, and the, that message is called, The Blood Will Never Lose Its Power, all right? And then on Easter Sunday, on Easter Sunday, um, uh, you don't hear a lot of messages about this, but I'm going to talk about Saturday. I'm going to talk about the point in between. Um, and I'm going to talk about Saturday and how it was a day where it didn't seem like anything was happening, but, and they were really discouraged, but, God was in the, but Jesus was actually doing something, and so was God. And so um, it's, a, it's a great point if there's somebody who is, um, is, is somewhere that's struggling, and I call it between a hard place and a, and a rock. All right, so that's what we're going to talk about, all right? And we're going to celebrate Easter. So that's where we're headed. Um, everybody knows, and you're still trying to figure out days and nights in Hebrew time. That's okay. Don't worry about it. We'll still let you out, and you pass the test. Okay, so why this series? Why are we spending time on this series? Why would we spend a whole entire series on the last week of Jesus? And it's simply because the Bible does. In the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, there are, which are four accounts of the same story from different perspectives of eyewitnesses of Jesus. And, um, and if you add up all the chapters in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are 89 chapters. There are 89 chapters. Jesus lived a little over 33 years. And for the, the first, in about the first 30 years of Jesus' life in those 89 chapters, there's only four chapters that are devoted to Jesus' life before 30. Okay, so only four chapters in that whole thing. Um, the last three and a half years of Jesus' life, there are 85 chapters. And the last week alone, there are 29 chapters about the Passion Week or the final week of Jesus' life. So you can see that the early um, writers of the gospel felt that that was a very important thing to know. So we're going to spend some time in that. Basically, one-third of the gospels is about one week, um, the last week of Jesus' life. The book of John is nearly half devoted to that last week because John, um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels because they're similar. John takes a different approach, and so John spends a lot of time. So why, um, why did he spend so much time on this? Because in the final week, Jesus not only gave some of the greatest teaching ever, but um, really he wanted us to understand things before he left earth. If you had one week and you knew that you had one week to, to live and people came to visit you, you would probably share with them some of the most important things. And Jesus shares with uh, the disciples and with us a lot of really important things. Um, but he was also doing something that he was giving us hope, hope in him. And he was also demonstrating his amazing love for us and his sacrifice on the cross. And so I think sometimes when we look at... Um, 
at the cross of Jesus, when we, when we think about the last week of Jesus' life and even the resurrection, um, we can study it, we can think about it, and a lot of times we get away from the passion of the Christ. Like many of you remember the movie, The Passion of the Christ, and it's, it's called passion because it means suffering, but it's also, he's passionate about something. He's passionate about us. He's passionate about you and me, passionate about doing his father's business. And you get a really beautiful picture when you look at this last week, exactly how passionate Jesus is in his love for all of us. And my hope for these weeks is simply this, that, that we realize that the level of passion and love that Jesus has for us is pretty high, and that we might amp up our level of passion and love for him during this season. And you might know this verse from John 3.16. I should have put on one of those colorful wigs and put up a big sign as you see in there. But it's like, for God so loved the world that he, that he did something he, that no one else was willing to do. And in order for God and people to be in a relationship God had to sacrifice his own son. Now, I love you. I, 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 I probably love you as much as your, well, maybe as much as your mom does um, or did. But, you know, I pray for you and I, and I, I care for you. And, um, and there's not many people, even on their worst day, that I would give my kids for. Um, you know, but let alone somebody who wronged me, I'd, I'd give them before, you know, I, I, I'd give that. But, but God wanted a relationship with us so much that was separated sin, by sin that he gave Jesus, and knowing that Jesus would have to suffer and die in the way that he did, all for a relationship back with God, a relationship that we broke the relationship, God chose his son to, uh, uh, to bridge that back together. And so what did God do? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten or only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so I hope you're able to see that through the series. Um, in Romans chapter 5, it says this first, but God showed his what? His, his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So even before any of us have received him as Lord, even before we were even on the scene, God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. And so I, I, I really hope that you recognize he was expressing a love that we barely understand. And so my point for this entire series is that as we take this journey through the final week of Jesus and we look at Jesus, we look at what he went through and what he experienced and what he did, I, I hope that, that his passion will you know, just exhibit or re bring a response of passion in you for, and love for him that you may have never had before. And one of, because one of the things that's concerning me is, and, and it's, you could say it's a pet peeve, but Christians who just um, don't have a level of heart and soul relationship with Jesus. They have a head relationship. They have an understanding. They have kind of like a drive-through relationship, like, hey, something happened to me, and I'd like number four prayer, please, to get me out of this, Lord. Thank you very much. And then we go on. And, um, and so I, I really think that we, we need to capture an, an intense love for, for God and through Jesus Christ. And there's, you know, um, there's an interesting old hymn. Um, rem some of you remember hymnals. Anybody remember hymnals? Um, if you don't, it's, you're not missing much. But anyway, but if you don't, it was basically, it was basically a book like this. It, it was, you know, um, usually if you had your own, because I had mine as a, as a preacher, I had the own leather-bound one. 
because I was special. Um, but most of them were in a hardback and they were in a pocket. See the pockets in front of you if you're not in the front row? They had a little pocket in there and you, or it even had, if you had the wood pews, remember them? And remember when they got cushions? How many of you sat your rear end on a hard wood place forever? Yeah. And you're like, cushions? Oh, we're in heaven already. Um, but, but it would sit in like maybe like a wooden rail and you pull it out. Um, you pull the, the, the book out and it had music notes and it had words and they had different numbers next to them and people and the minister would always say, um, turn to n- um, number 374 and we'll do verses 1, 2, 4, and 5. I don't know what was wrong with 3, but um, you guys remember this, okay? Um, and some of them you could just do 1 and 2 because they went on forever, if you remember. Um, but anyway, some of the old hymns uh, are really have a great theology to them, um, a tremendous theology. Many of the old hymn writers understood theology and love for God. And, um, and so I was thinking, and this week about thinking of the passion of Jesus, I, um, I was thinking of some, like some of the old hymns popped up in my head. And one of them was one from a, uh, a hymn writer uh, named Isaac Watts. And it started with, when I survey." the wondrous cross. When you think about that, what does that mean? When I survey the wondrous cross, it's not like you you look at the cross of Jesus and go, okay, that's good. You you just died for me. Yeah, okay. You see that? It's not that you just glance at it or you just say, okay, I'm going to think about it for a second. Or you come to church and you talk about it for a little bit. Um, what What it means is to do a really deep dive in there. Anybody ever seen surveyors on the road? You know, they're not just out there for five seconds. What are they doing? They're putting the things out. And so think of it that way. When I survey, hey, wait, let me see here. Okay, let me go over here. The wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died. My richest gain I count as loss and poor contempt on all my pride. I started thinking about that, that writer. And then the last verse is one of the most powerful verses, and it fits very well with, with like what I'm trying to really hope to accomplish or to, to get across in this series. The last verse is, were the whole realm of nature mine? That means if I had absolutely everything, he said, that were an offering far too small. In other words, I could have the whole world and give it to you, Lord, and it still fails in comparison to what you've done for me. And then, he, then these, these words at the end, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. They're powerful, powerful words. And, um, and it's, it's amazing to see that and to really, really do that. And so what I want you to do during this season is survey the wonders cross. Survey Jesus. Take a look at him and recognize a love that is so amazing, so divine, and how it demands more than what we're giving him. It demands our soul, our life, and our all. And so I really hope that your passion level rises this week. And so today, one of the most um, important topics that we're going to talk about, where the passion begins in Palm Sunday or the triumphal entry, and all four Gospels cover it in different ways. And we're going we're to stay in Luke's um, Gospel today. And so we're going to look at this. So let's, let's take a look at Luke's Gospel here today, for, uh, chapter 19. It says, as he approached Bethany, uh, Bethage and Bethany at the hill called Mount of Olives. Now, I want to show you real quick. I want to show you a map because um, a lot of times we talk about these things and we don't understand. So this is, a, this is a map of first century Jerusalem. And you can see here that where Bethany and Bethage are, it's about a two-mile walk to Jerusalem. 
all right? Bethany is where um, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived. And so that was kind of like where Jesus stayed. He was, they were like an adoptive family to him. He just was really close to them. And you can see just a two-mile walk to there. And then you can see um, you have in Jerusalem, then you have this valley. This is, um, you can see the valley. It's called the Kidron Valley, and it's facing the eastern gate. And really, um, that, what, it's, what it separates, it separates Jerusalem and what is called the Mount of Olives. Why do you think it's called the Mount of Olives? Oh, you guys are so smart. Yeah, there's a lot of olive trees, and there's a lot of olives that are there. But if you, if you look at it now, you see the Temple Mount pretty much even, but it's a big um, valley in there. And that area up on the hill um, of the Kidron Valley is good for nothing except for uh, tombs. And so you can go down in that Kidron Valley and walk by um, several thousand-year tombs that were there at the time of Jesus that they excavated. But there's a lot of people that are buried in, on, in the cemetery up on that hill. And there's this walkway, like where that's showing, that goes down there. And this, would, this has been the walkway that's been there forever. This probably would have been at least right about the area or the walkway that Jesus would have taken down during... Um, this, this time. And so I just wanted you to kind of see where that is and get an understanding of the topography and what we're looking at. So um, what he did, it says, as he approached Bethage and Bethany at the hill of the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say the Lord needs it. Those who went, um, were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And it's cool that Jesus already knew the colt was there, knew what was going to happen. And he said, it says, as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? If that was my colt, that's like your car, right? I would, I would have a, a bigger statement there. And they'd put, probably be putting it in scripture, right? They couldn't put it there. But he says, why are you untying it? And uh, he says, the Lord needs it. And the guy says, all right. I think that's really funny. But anyway, the Lord, um, they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. So Jesus then um, goes ahead and starts this big uh, like procession, this parade. And so keep in mind that there were a lot of people in town for the Passover celebration that was coming toward the end of the week. And so people would come from all over and, and come in to the area. And some accounts of the gospel say that the people were there and they had palm branches branches and they were waving and they were celebrating. Matthew and John's gospel include uh, a detail that Luke didn't, um, but if you go back and read the accounts, um, you can find out that this colt uh, and this, this donkey were um, prophesied some 400 years before Jesus ever came on the scene and before it ever happened. And so that's one reason why, as a side note, the Bible can be trusted, because there are several proofs that the Bible is reliable. Um, and it's, it's prophetically accurate. It, otherwise, it would be very risky to make a claim that something never happened. But do you, just think, um, somewhere in the neighborhood of 300-plus prophecies from hundreds of years and even more be, before Jesus fulfilled. Okay, There was a statistic that was done, and it, it was stated that they did a mathematical statistic, which I know nothing about, but I just listened to it. Um, but they said if you filled the whole state of Texas... Um, one foot deep of silver dollars, marked one with a red X, mixed it all up again, laid it all back out to a, a foot, and reached in and grabbed the red X. That's the probability that one person could fulfill all the prophecy that Jesus did. 
That's a mathematical proof that it doesn't just happen, that Jesus is who he says he is. So, but here's what they shared. Here's, here's what they shared. They shared a prophecy from Zechariah. And Zechariah says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion, meaning uh, Jerusalem. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly. What's he doing? Riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing right there? So, so it, 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 we're, I, we're, we're there and we're seeing that. Now, as I was reading this, I, I was drawn back to Luke 19. And it says, as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And he came to a place where the road goes to the Mount of Olives. And the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise um, God in a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. Now, I, in a little bit, I'm going to be drawn to this next phrase. And I believe, um, like I said, some people believe that there was probably a million people in Jerusalem at this time because they had uh, come in. Now, they were praising God for what? What were they praising him for at this point? The miracles that had seen. The last miracle that people knew that Jesus performed was just in Bethany, and it was when he rose Lazarus from the dead. So Jesus is a rock star. I mean, he is like Taylor Swift, right? He's T-swizzling down on a donkey, you know what I mean? Uh, and they're like, ah, yeah. You know, the people are going nuts. They're going crazy. And, and they're, they're just so amazed by what's happened. So people are very, very familiar with Jesus. Those who love him and those who don't love him and those who are trying to figure it out. And listen to what they're, they're yelling. It says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And other translations have, Hosanna, save us. Um, that's what it means, save us. And it says, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So the people were so fired up. Here's Jesus. He just rose Lazarus from the dead just a little bit ago. He's coming in. They would have known if they were good Jewish boys and girls, and they would have known this Zechariah prophecy. Here he comes. Oh, yeah, time to kick the Romans behind. We're going to go get them. We are ready. Go, Jesus. Yeah. All right, that's what's going on. Now, um, and so, so then we learn that um, all of a sudden uh, a Pharisee comes into this situation. And a Pharisees are a religious person who really understands religious law and practices, but they don't know God. Let me say that again. They, under, they know of God, but they don't have a, a passionate relationship with the Lord. They don't understand. They got everything down. They could read every letter of the law. They could tell you something. They can even make up some of their own, and they can share them with you, and they hold that over everybody else, and, and yet they, their hearts are far from, from the Lord. And we have some Christian Pharisees in our world today, too. Somehow along, Jesus freed us, and we wanted to come back to legalism. And, and that's a whole other message. I'm not getting into that today. But anyway, um, it says, um, but some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Can you imagine them? They're sitting there, and all of a sudden, remember, this is, this is Jesus um, Swift, all right? He's got, like, people just, oh, yeah, going, ah, yeah, save us, ah, oh, my gosh, woo. And the disciples are more like, you know, bodyguards, like, get back, get back, get back. And they're doing all this. Um, and Jesus is riding. He's like, hey, how you doing? Yeah. He's going through. And all of a sudden, a Pharisee says, hey, wait, 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 wait. This isn't how we worship. Hey, tell them to shut up. We worship very somber. 
we, we rock back and forth and we, we focus and we have prayers. No, this isn't how we worship. And why are they worshiping you? This shit? Tell them to be quiet. Tell them to, to shush. They were yelling, Hosanna, save us. Oh, bless the name of the Lord. And, and what's interesting, keep in your mouth, they're, they're shouting and they're praising God. And the same people who are doing this on the first day of the week, on this um, Sunday, with just a few days later, will be the same ones who are shouting, crucify him. They have what we call a fickle faith, a faith that is up and down, a faith that is excited and then isn't excited, a faith uh, that trusted in Jesus and then doesn't trust in Jesus, uh, uh, a faith that is all over the place, depending on, oh, did I get what I want? Oh, yeah, I love God. Did I not get, oh, God, you're, why me? And this is where they are, up and down, up and down. And then Jesus makes this incredible statement. The Pharisees say something, and Jesus responds to them. And this really just leapt out at me this, this week and in the planning uh, several weeks ago. He said, they're saying, tell them to be quiet. Tell them to shut up. And Jesus says to them this. It's an awesome verse. He says to them, is it not there? If, he said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. You know how quiet and somber you have to be to hear a stone crying? Have you ever heard, how many of you are from the 70s and had a pet rock? <laughs> Dumbest invention ever, correct? A rock with a chain on it, and you'd be like, look at this, I'm making it walk, and you're just dragging a stone. Man, and you, run, you never run out of them. That's a great deal. But anyway, um, and some of you are like, yeah, I did have a pet rock. Why? Um, but anyway, um, anybody ever hear your pet rock talk? Anybody ever hear it cry, like in the middle of the night? You're like, yeah. <laughs> If you do, we have counseling for you afterwards. But anyway, um, think about what Jesus said. The, the religious leaders don't like the worship of God. They don't like Jesus, but they also don't like the fact that they're saying praises to God. And it's loud. And they're shouting. And they're waving, and they're taking off their outer coats and throwing down. Some of you were around in the very early days of this church where I had clothing on underneath, and I stripped down and put my clothes on the ground. And the rumor was the minister stripped. I'm not doing it again, all right? Um, and that's not good for you. It's not good for me, all right? But anyway, um, and so, um, but what ended, up, what ended up happening, people are acting in an undignified way because they had their idea of what worship should be. And, you know, David got yelled at by his wife, Michael, for dancing before the Lord in basically spandex. And she said, that's undignified of a king. And he said, well, you know what? I'll become even more undignified. Because David had a heart for God. He didn't care about the, the, the liturgy and the stuff. It had its place, but it wasn't about his relationship with God. And so, so as I was think, thinking about this, I heard a pastor one time say, ain't no rock going to take my place. And I started saying, you know what? I don't want to make rocks cry. I don't want to even try to hear a rock cry. Um, so I began thinking about the battles for our worship, all the things that come between you and me and, and our love for our Lord, and really all the things that the enemy wants to put in the middle and present to us. And I strongly believe that there is a battle for our worship. And one of the things that you learn through theology, Lucifer, who Satan, who fell from heaven, was actually, before his fall, was in charge of worship in heaven. So if you don't think he knows how to corrupt it, you're wrong. He does. And the thing is, he wanted to worship for himself. 
And it's a great way to start the series talking about the passion of Jesus and to ignite a passion within us through worship, to make sure that we aren't that crowd that one day is say, Hosanna, save us, and then a couple days later, oh, God, you didn't come through for me. You know, I crucify him. I'm done with you. And I know that many of you can be really passionate in worship because you really love God. But even if we all do a pretty good job, or many of us do, I felt that many of us, including me, um, myself included, can raise our passion level because I am not throwing off my, my coat when I come down, walking across and shouting Hosanna. I'm not, I'm not worshiping God with everything. So I want to share a couple things with you um, in this series, and so this is why we're doing it. So when we talk about worship, here's what, some of the things I know. We all worship something. We all worship something. Your passion is going somewhere. If we're honest, and if we take in, if we all right now in our minds take an inventory um, right now of the things that are getting our time, our money, our energy, our loyalty, our affections, and our expressions, um, something is getting our passion. So just think about those things, just those couple things. Where's your time going? Like, I'm not just saying the stuff you have to do. I'm saying the stuff that you get to do. And your, your money, your energy. Like, where are you spending your energy on? Where are we spending our loyalty to? Who, who or what are we loyal to? Um, where's our affections going and, and our expressions? Here's the thing. It's okay for us to love things. If you've ever seen me at a F Philadelphia sports event or watching I'm a passionate lunatic, all right? Um, I, and I know some of you are with me um, in, in uh, other sports, other towns or whatever. Um, like, you can throw on a Baltimore team, sorry, Baltimore people, and I'm just going to be like, <laughs> you know, it's not me. I'll watch some of it. I'll be like, oh, good job. I like to watch Lamar run around and do all that kind of stuff. Um, but, and, and I, I like to see him succeed. But ultimately, if I see Eagles green on there, everybody needs to be quiet, Melissa had a party one time during a, um, for one of our kids during a playoff game of the Eagles. And this smarmy little kid was like, I like the Saints. I'm like, you don't like the Saints. You aren't from New Orleans. Shut up. <laughs> or leave my house. I repented later. But anyway, um, that's how I am. I'm a lunatic when it comes to that. You know, I, I, there's no leeway. Um, and so... Um, so, and, and if it's a playoff, like anything else, I mean, so many years that they weren't in playoffs and didn't have a shot. So, so when I get them, it's like a hallelujah. I'm ready to like, and I'm like yelling. I'm like, yes, I am. I'm doing, I'll do fly, eagles, fly. I know the songs. I know it all. And I'm, and I'm going to go, fly, eagles, fly. I'm like, fly, eagles. And if I'm at the stadium, I'm high-fiving people I don't even know. I was at a game one time with a friend of mine, and it was an Orioles game, and he's a big Orioles fan, and back in Memorial Stadium. The Orioles got a game-winning hit in extra innings. He jumped up and hugged some woman behind him who was with a very big man. <laughs> and I just stopped for a second. I was like, man, you're going to get your butt kicked. This is going to be awesome. You know, but, but, you know, how many times have you been so passionate about God that you jump up and hug somebody you don't know behind you? We give our passion to something. And, and, like, I, it can go to something else. For those of you who don't like sports, some of you like food. Who li who's a foodie? Pizza. I love pizza. Pizza's my meal in heaven. 
I'm gonna eat them all, and I think I'm like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. I like pizza so much, but but and I like good pizza, and and I will sit there, and and I, I love it. I could eat it breakfast, um, lunch, dinner, and in between all that stuff, um, and I. And, and what God is really saying to us, and he says it all throughout the scripture, I don't mind ha you having loves. But what I do mind is when you love those things more than me. And the first commandment he started with, you shall, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And often when we worship other things over him, we break the first commandment all the time. You need to know this. You need to know that the Lord tells us he is a jealous God. He sees us giving our affections and our loyalty and our passions and our finance and our time to our football teams, to our pizzas, and to everything else. And he's like, why aren't you spending, why aren't you like just having that reaction when you come and talk to me? Why don't you just go, you know, like I put a good piece of pizza in my mouth and I'm like, mm. And my granddaughter, she had her first piece of pizza and she had it in her mouth. She's like, mm. I said, that's my girl, <laughs> right? You know? How come when I don't come, when I come into the place and worship with God, I'm like, yes, yes. He doesn't mind you having it, but he does mind when you love it more than him. He gave his best for you and me, so we should give our best for him. You see, we should be all day, all day we worship something, so why not him? Worship is basically a response to what we value most. Worship is a response to what we value most. And this is big because when Jesus this is one of the reasons why Jesus talked about worship so much and why the Bible talks about passion and worship so much because whatever I worship becomes an obsession. Anybody remember when you were first dating that person? You know what I'm talking about. You're like, oh, sixth grade. Oh, so cute. Oh. With the little love letters. Like I said, we can go back to third grade. Do you love me? Circle yes or no. Hopefully you graduated from that. But, um, or you might be very lonely. But anyway, um, actually you might be good. They may say that's easy. Um, but, um, but, you know, remember like you just, oh. and then you found out they weren't so, oh. you're like, oh. You go to, go to a class reunion like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Right? Okay. Yeah, honor your prayers. There we go. But um, but you know what? What we uh, basically whatever I worship becomes my obsession. You think of nothing else. It's always on your mind. And it's so, like so. Like if you ever, you know, if you ever go ahead and see that whatever I I I become obsessed with, I also imitate. You know, and whatever I imitate, I become. So what we see here is I, I worship, um, I worship wh whatever I worship becomes my obsession, and whatever I obsess on, I begin to imitate, and whatever I imitate, I end up becoming. I remember having some people on my floor in, um, at college, and some, somebody would say something goofy, and before you know it, everyone on the floor was saying the same thing. It was the, and now you look back, you're like, that's so stupid. Why were we doing it? Because we all just do, and we, like, we, we were connecting, and we were doing these things. Pastor Jack Hayford, who... Um, who wrote um, some songs and uh, a really, um, really neat guy, a pastor in Van Nuys, California, said, said this. He said, worship changes the worshiper into the image of the worshiped. Worship changes the worshiper into the image of the worship. And if you don't like um, what's, what's going on in you, 
then take an inventory of what you're worshiping and what's on the throne of your life. The crowd on Palm Sunday had the wrong motive in their hearts. They loved Jesus for the miracles that he was doing. And when he stopped doing the miracles, and when they stopped doing what they thought he should, they were done with him. And, uh, and so, basically, we, we, need to, we need to stop having a situational faith that if you help me today, Jesus, I'll worship you, but if you're not, hey, I'm done. They were fickle in their faith. And the Bible could not be more clear. One message of Jesus, he said, of all the things that are most important. So if Jesus came to you and you said, hey, Jesus, what's the most important thing for me to know for life? And he said, well, here's the most important thing. Would you be like, Right? Wouldn't you be filming? You'd be listening? You'd be by now. And this happened at one point. And in Mark's gospel, Mark 12, here's what it says. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Jesus is talking um, with some people. And he said, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. So every time Jesus was asked something, there was a good answer. We learned that when he was 12 years old, those in the temple probably would have been the scribes, um, if, we, if we understand Judaism, um, were were just amazed by his knowledge, amazed by the answers that he gave. And so they said, they were noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He, he asked, they decided to ask him something. They wanted to, to twist him up a little bit. And so they decided to ask him this question. And they say this, they say, of all the commandments, which is most important? Of all the commandments, of everything in the Bible, of everything God has ever said for us to do, what is the most important? And Jesus decided to answer them. He said, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. In other words, he says, here's the most important thing. I want you to fall in love with, I want you to be passionately in love with everything you got, in love with God. Now, every Israelite, every Jewish person knew this because they said it every day. It's called the Shema, and it's in, um, in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, and this is what they would say. So they would know what Jesus was saying at this point. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Um, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That is what it is in Deuteronomy. And he's telling them that this is the most important. So when he said it, all the good Jewish people say, oh, I said that today. And they would probably set it along with him because they knew this. But then we have a little change that in John 4, Jesus says, that's the most important thing. I want you to love me with, I want you to love God with everything that you have. In John 4, Jesus says that his father, God the Father, is actively looking for worshipers. What that means is he's panning through congregations. He's looking into denominations. He's looking in each, every church. He's looking at gatherings that some people have all over the world that they're hiding in persecution. And he's digging through everything. The Spirit's searching all the things. He's even here today searching through the hearts of the people in Haven Community Church. He's panning through and he's seeking, he's looking. And what's, what kind of worship is he looking for? He's looking for worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. And to worship in spirit means that you're concerned with the spiritual things. You're just, whatever else is going on there, you're going to focus and, and worship him. You're thinking about the things of God. God, I know this is what's going on in my life. I'm going to trust you, but I also know you have a plan for my life, and I know that you're going to move in it. So I'm just going to trust you. God, I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait to do this, but I'm going to serve you each and every day. It's not religion, which the Pharisees had a problem with, but it's relationship. 
It's relationship with God. And, um, and in truth means that you're not leaving anything out because we are all really, really good about cut and paste religion, aren't we? Aren't we? Like, we'll, we'll, we'll say some other things, but when it comes to, and if you don't forgive someone, your Father in heaven won't forgive you. You say, excuse me? But you don't know what they did to me. And Jesus says, I know what you did to me. And I forgave you. Right? So, so we, we love that cut and paste. So we take all the gospel and truth. So imagine this. Here's what it's like. Anybody ever baked a cake? Who's baked a cake? Who's a good cake baker? My birthday's April 17th, all right? <laughs> um, anyway, if you, um, if you follow the recipe exactly, and some of you are like creative and you know you had a little bit better, more here, you have a complete cake. If you don't follow it and you throw dirt in instead of flour, you're not going to have a cake, dirt cake. But, um, think about this in the context of worship. If you just choose and pick the parts of the worship cake that you want to put in, you're not going to have a true worship. You've got to throw all the ingredients in there. And... We need to embrace the whole recipe of God's word for worship. In the original language of the New Testament, Koine Greek, and um, most weeks I kind of look through this and I, I give you your Greek term of the week a lot of times. But when, it, when in John 4, when it says, when God's saying he's looking for worshipers and Jesus says, my father's looking, actively looking, panning around looking for, worship, for worshipers. The Greek word is proskenudo, and it means to kiss the hand. Pucker off everybody, right? God is looking for me to kiss the hand. Let me, let me give you an example of this. Anybody, anybody dog people? Anybody were dog people and you're thankful you're not anymore? Okay. Anybody dog people? Now, usually cat people, cats won't do this. Some cats do, but not many. But like, um, you know how like when you pull up and your dogs are like, oh, they're home. Okay. Like, you know, cats come up and you're like, they, they, they come up against you, but usually like, eh, you're home. Whoop, feed me. You know, I mean, that's, a, that's often a lot of cats. Um, but when you come home, I have, we have, unfortunately, three dogs in our house. And um, they're Australian Shepherd and two Border Collies. So they're a little bit busy. Um, but Baby's not as busy because she's old and, and just like, she's old unless you got food. And then she like has this awakening. But um, there's Baby, Sadie, and Otis. And, um, and they love us immensely. Um, when, when, they, when the car door slams on the outside, here, bow. And some of them, even though they know they're not supposed to be on the couch, you'll see that little face. <laughs> and they'll be there like, and the tail's wagging. And then they see me, and I'm going, and they go, you know, down. They see the other ones, they're like, yeah, you know. And, and then you, have, you know it's there because you've got little things of hair everywhere. But um, so, so they're doing that. And, um, and then when you get to the door, here, like there's this turmoil going on inside. And you open up the door, and they're like, and baby's, old and fat, and she's just like, bark, 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 you see me, see me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got you. And she'll, she'll like go, <laughs> she actually shimmers. <laughs> she's, <laughs> that's what she does. And, and Sadie's like, <laughs> and Sadie's kind of like flighty, so she's like, mm, is he going to love me today or is he not? I'm going to be able to get over here and be like this. And then, then Otis, Otis is like crazy. He's crazy. Like, uh, he's, he's a sweet dog, but he's just crazy. And so Otis, like, he'll come up. He's got like an underbite. He's like, mm, like this. And, um, and he'll come up. And if you have your hand down, you're like, go, go, go. He'll, he'll lick your hand. 
And you're like, stop licking my hand. Or if you have shorts on in the summer, he licks your leg, and you're like, stop licking my leg. You know, and, but he's like, oh, and their tails are wagging, and they're all like this. And just like, you know, they're so, yeah, you're home. Oh. And, and everybody, everybody else but me, he'll jump up, he'll jump up, he'll jump up, he'll jump up. And, ah, hey, look at me, look at me, you're home. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? That's the worship God wants. God wants to say, yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, you're here, you're here, yeah, God, your presence. He wants us to just love him so much that when we just are, are coming in the door slams, we're like, oh, yeah, God's coming, yeah, yeah. We're going to jump up on the back of the chair, I don't know. Um, but we're just going to be so excited about him being here. And so that's what that word means. The crowd was trying to do proskinuto one day and didn't do it a couple days later. You need to know how important this is because God wants us to love him with heart and soul, mind and strength. So I'm winding this down today. What does this mean to love him? And I broke it down into a couple areas. To love God, heart and soul. Um, God, what I believe is God wants us to worship him with our affections, with our affections. Um, your soul is your will, your intellect and emotions, and, and our heart is like the source of our, of our love. We, we talk about that. That's why on Valentine's Day we have hearts and we give them and all that kind of stuff, little candy hearts and be mine and all that stuff, all right? Um, and, and God wants us to just be emotional. God gave us emotions. And I always, I, I, I was the person that when you went to a church, like if you visited a church, and you know how somebody would sing, and at your church you would clap, for them and for God, and then you go to the church that they don't breathe, or that's the only thing that's allowed, like, okay, I breathe now, I'm good for an hour. Um, but like, when somebody sings and you go, and you're like the only person, you're like, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean, okay? And so, and so, um, so God gave us emotions, and I, I, I'm thinking like, he didn't give them to me so I can just express at a sporting event or when I'm eating pizza or when I'm doing, God gave me those emotions to express to him. And, like, if think about it. Some people might say, well, you know, that's all well and good for you, preacher, but I have Jesus in my heart. That's where Jesus is, my heart. So I'm just going to. Anybody married or in a serious relationship? All right. So let's say you say to your spouse or your significant other that you're in a serious relationship with, hey, I don't hug or show PDA or private displays of infection, but I have you in my heart. How's that going to work for you? If you don't know, you're already in trouble. Okay? Um, you'll be in counseling or in a public display of butt kicking, all right? You know, but, but love is not just felt on the inside. Love is just not felt on the inside. It is always expressed. It's always action. It's, it's, it's not, and I would, I would say it's not love if it's not expressed. It's really not. Because... Um, and, and God proves it to us. Because what did it say? God, it doesn't just say God so loved the world, does it? It doesn't say God so loved the world. Okay, we're good. No, what did it say? He put it to action. He put it to action. God so loved the world. So that, what was the action to show us? He gave. God loved you, so he gave his son. Notice that. It didn't, God didn't say, hey, I love you. I got you in my heart. Enjoy this sin thing. God so loved you that he gave his son. That's love. That's an amazing love. 
the love so amazing. And wouldn't it benefit us if we lifted the passion level for God to tell, show him that we love him immensely, that we love him. And by the way, uh, side note, if you ever wanted, uh, want to love somebody, you don't love them the way you love. You love the way they want to be loved and the way they feel love. And, and the great thing, if you ever want to try it, it's free online. Um, five love languages, number five love languages. Find your love language. But more importantly, find your significant other's love language because you might be buying gifts right and left and their, their love is love language is words of affirmation and you've never told them you love them. You never give them a pat and bat and say, hey, I appreciate you. And you could give them every box of candy and roses in the world, but they ain't going to feel loved because that's not their love language. And so, so if we're talking about love languages, let's look at God's love languages. In, and, and how do we find it? In Psalms. The book of Psalms is all about God's love languages. It's a worship thing. And let me tell you how God likes to have us tell us um, that we love him. And they have clapping, shouting, dancing, singing, kneeling, crying, laughing, bowing heads, bowing your head, lifting your hands, singing, and all kinds of other expressions of love. And it's, you know, kind of like you ever return from a trip at the airport? You ever return from a trip at the airport and then you get through um, security and all that stuff, and you, you come in, and then you see, like, the person that has the balloons and the whatever, and they run over, they run to each other, it's like a movie, love is a man, he's splendid, and, you know, and they're running, and they're, ah, they're so happy to see each other, yeah, and then you go, oh, nobody came with balloons with me, and mm, nobody loves me, where's my balloons, where's my love, you, you know, you love it when it's happened to you, you love to know that you're loved, but you may be the one that when you get home, as soon as you do, bam, then you have them all running to you at, uh, at the house. I remember when, when Hannah was, uh, when the kids were little, and Hannah was real little, like, um, and I was in Lewis, I would come in, and she was the first person who ran, Daddy, and came and grabbed hold of me. You know, if that to tell you you're loved, you know, I mean, if you walk in your house, and you're like, hi, I'm home, and everybody's like, mm. Oh, by the way, Dad, I, I, have, I had this need. Can you take care of it? Sure. Thanks, Dad. Talk to you next week. That's what we do with God all the time. When, so when do we love the most? We love the most when we, we, we feel appreciated. And so in Psalm 150, um, 1 through 6, the last chapter, um, it, it starts, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit this really quickly, and here's what it says. It starts with this. This is the last chapter in the book. It says, praise the Lord. Everybody say that. Praise, Praise the Lord. God. And look at this. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sound of trumpet. Next. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. It's like a little tiny harp. All right. Um, Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and the pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. And so you don't just go, Psh, you know, and then you, he wants... God likes it loud at times. It's, you praise him with a clash of cymbals, bang! And he says, oh, you know what? That ain't good enough. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Right? That's going on. And then let everything that has breath praise the Lord. What do you think the last thing in the book of love language, what do you think God wants you to do? Praise him. The word is hallel. Hallel is where we get hallelujah. And hallelujah means um, means praise, praise God, praise, and then Yah is Yah is Hallelujah, which is praise the Lord. That says Hallelujah, Hallel, 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 Hallelujah. 
That's a lot of ha. Hallel means this. It means to celebrate. It means to boast. It means to clamorously, to act clamorously foolish. And it means, you're going to love this, it means to rave. Right? You know the raves? That's, God wants us to rave for him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And if you don't get it, there's a little story in John chapter 12. Is where we are on Palm Sunday. You go back one chapter, one, one paragraph to um, 11. And Jesus is in that area of Bethany, two miles outside. And it says that Mary, this is Mary, Martha's sister, Lazarus' sister, Jesus sitting there, she took this really expensive perfume. They said it would cost a year's wages. It's called Nard, which is a horrible name for a very expensive perfume. <laughs> honey, I brought you Nard. Okay, thanks, honey. Right? Um, and she poured it over his feet, and she took his ha her hair and wiped it. And I'm like, don't they have a towel? Don't you think they have something around? Why does she do that with her hair? You know, it's like some kind of treatment. Number one, feet. <laughs> but feet were dirty and dusty. And she took her hair because she was just worshiping him. And just loving him. And she was just, this is what I got. I don't want to even leave his side. And I'm, this, this, we're the whole world of nature, mind. Was this, that's all, that might have been all she had. And she broke it and gave it to him. And the interesting response is, there's Judas. Judas Iscariot, he has a problem with this. He has a big problem. And he says, you know, all right, you know, we could use that money for the poor. But this is a little weird. This ain't the way we worship. What's, what's she doing? Wiping your hair, Lord. Come on, this ain't looking good. And Jesus, in one scripture, he says, she's preparing me for my burial. And then another one says, this one, which I think is so amazing. It says, she's loving this much because she's been forgiven of so much. And I wonder if, just to keep it real, if I think we need to, we may need to ask ourselves, have we forgotten all that he's done for us? Shouldn't we be loving him more because he's forgiven us of so much? And he saved us from so much. He saved us and he's healed us and he's delivered us and he's given us a purpose and a value and he broke the bondage uh, of so many things of fear and worry and depression and anxiety and he loves us unconditionally and he gave us a home in heaven that this is not it. Have we forgotten that? And you know, I shared this several years ago, but in, in um, Cherry Point, North, North Carolina, a marine um, air station. They have jets there, and they've had them there for 75 years at some level. And one of the things that happens is when they when they take off, you hear, and it's really really big. It's like if you've ever been to anybody ever been to Virginia Beach, and you're sitting on the beach, you're tanning, all of a sudden, you're like, whoa! And it's a jet. What happens is when those things take off from Cherry Point, it's such a loud and and. It just shakes, and sometimes they break the sound barrier, and everything's crazy. And they're like, so they put a sign out there. I'm going to show you the sign that they put out there. Pardon our noise. It's the sound of freedom. And, and when, we, when we worship God, somebody might say, that's not how I was supposed to worship. I'm supposed to worship like this. Just say, pardon my noise. I've been set free by Jesus. 
And so because I've been set free by him, I'm going to get a little loud. Because guess what I know his love language? It's clapping hands. It's raising hands. It's bowing my head. It's crying. It's stomping my feet. It's singing. Even if I can't carry a tune in the bucket, the Lord inhabits our praise. And he fine tunes our, our voices, I bet you. Because he's probably like, oh, that's bad. You know? but, but he loves to be praised. He loves to be praised. What does the scripture say? It says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I got two more points, and I'm going to do it on, on like, running speed. Here we go. Ready? Number, number two, God wants us to worship him with our attention. That's what my family wants. Sure, they ask for money, and they don't get it from me. They get it from their mom. Um, they don't just want my trips, and, but they want my attention. You know, when, when people pass on, they talk about the time you spent together, not, not the money you spent. The best gifts are the ones that you get for nothing. Like out of the blue, right? You just get flowers somewhere. You just get a text or I should say, I'm thinking of you. Just want to let you know. Hope you're doing good. God wants to be on your mind. He wants to be in your schedule. You want to point, have an appointment time with God tomorrow. Waste time with Jesus. That's worship. In Romans chapter 12, it says, don't be so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in even without thinking about it. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. And that's what worship does. You become that which you worship. And so give God, the, if you, if, if you want to really find a way to worship God, give him the first 15 of your day. 15 minutes of worship. I mean, excuse me, five minutes of worship, five minutes in the word, and five minutes in prayer. Everybody can do that. And watch what your day's like. Worship him, heart, soul, mind, and then also worship him with your strength. How do you worship God with your strength? I believe that God wants us to worship him with our abilities. Several studies have shown that wives find their husband more attractive when they do housework. Somebody's like, darn it, I knew I should not have come to church today. <laughs> right? Time after time, there's so many studies. It's, and why? It, because it shows love and care and affection when you do things. When you mow the lawn, when you wash the dishes, when you unload the dishwasher, when you vacuum, when you cook, or when you buy one of those vacuums that does it yourself. Right? It just shows that you care when you take care of things, when you do things around the house. It's the same for God. And in Hebrews 13, it says, Though Jesus, therefore, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer God, to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruits of our lips that open, uh, openly profess his name. So how are we going to worship God continually? That seems almost impossible. Well, how do you do this? Do not forget to do good. That's how you worship God and share with others. Wait, what do you mean by that? That's worship too. When we do something and serve for God and we share about the Lord with somebody else, that is a form of worship. And so we say, I'm going to serve. That's what next week is all about. That's what Haven 201 is all about. How you can go ahead and find out, number one, what your personality is and where you're geared to in your personality. Number two, where your spiritual gifts are. Because God has a plan for your life. And it's a plan in the body of Christ. And God's got that. And he wants to connect you to that. And that's what we want to do. We want to connect you to God's purpose for your life. The worst thing ever was when pastors needed people and they put them in the wrong spot. Like if you put somebody who hates kids in a, in a Sunday school, the kids are going to hate them and they're going to hate kids more. That's wrong to do to people. God didn't give that Get that person for that. So we need, we need to do those things and, and, and to serve. And get connected on the team and serve God with heart, soul, and mind, and body, and life, and everything. So in closing today, 
my simple prayer is this, that our passion level reaches the level of the passion of Jesus. And don't let the rocks cry out. Praise him, worship him, because he's worthy of our praise. How do we do that? What's his love language? Clapping, shouting, dancing, singing, kneeling, crying, laughing, bowing, uh, hands lifted, singing. And guess what that sounds like? That sounds like me at a football game. But it often doesn't sound like me in the church. I'm giving worship away. Um, it was really interesting. Yesterday at the, um, actually last night, I was, um, I was finishing, doing some finishing things. Anybody who has social media, you may see like it'll say, um, you have a, um, like a memory and it'll put somebody's name on there. And um, if anybody knows my mom, my mom um, f- was queen of forwarding. You know what that is? where she just sends everything your way. And I taught her Facebook so that my, um, my uh, email would be empty um, because she forwarded, it was like a forward of a forward of a forward of a forward. Anybody have that? You just love that, don't you? No, I don't either. But anyway, so, but um, there was a Facebook message that came up that said, um, it said that um, five years ago, this is a memory, and it was from mom, and here's what it said. I want to be so full of Christ that if a mosquito bites me, it flies away singing there is power in the blood. <laughs> so five years later, three years after her passing, she's still sending me things. Um, and, um, but isn't that good? Don't you want to be so full of the Holy Spirit that a mosquito bites you? It's going, there's power in the blood. Bite somebody else and pass it off to them. Ah, you're going, oh, there's power in the blood. What the heck happened? The Lord is contagious. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And worship him. Because God wants, he's looking around this room right now and saying, I want to see some worshipers in spirit and some in truth. And I want want to know that they love me. How do they love me? They're going to give me my love language. So let's just stand right now and worship the Lord here today. Just one more time. Father, we... um, we come approaching your throne and, and God, I, I, I'm so thankful that, that you, you love to be praised. And I'm thankful that of the things that you love are a lot like my personality, loud. Sometimes they're contemplative, but God, you just want to be loved. And you want to experience love. And you don't want me to say, it's easy to say, hey, I love you. But it's a whole different ballgame when we got, got to show it. And so, Lord, there may be somebody in this room that doesn't have a clue what love really is. I pray that, Lord, that you just lavish them with your love and put your arms around them. There's people here who are experiencing all kinds of things. Let them know the, the level of passion that you have for them. Let them know like Mary that they can see how much you have, we've been forgiven and loved by you. And so can we just up the ante a little bit more? So God, in this room, as you move and you're searching, you're searching around the earth, you're checking the hearts. 
telling people that I love you and I know it's tough and I know that you're going through this, but I love you and I'm here. God, right now somebody in this room or in the sound of my voice online or somewhere has heard John 3.16 billions of times, for God to love the world. At this point, I want to take out the world. For God so loved and put your name in it. He didn't just love you and say, oh, yeah, I love you. You're in my heart. He loved you so much that he gave his son. That's how much he loves you. If you are the whosoever believes in him, you will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. That's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to save you and he wants to wrap his loving arms around you. Don't worry about trying to figure it all out. Just know that you have a good God who loves you. For everyone else here, you may be, you may be good with God, but you want to be great. You want to up the ante in worship. Kick up that passion level. Just think about what he did for you, what he does for you, and how forgiven you are. And all, all that thing, all those things that he's done, but you want to respond in love for him. The time where you thought you had no hope or you were lost and, and everything seemed to be falling around you. And it didn't seem like he was anywhere, but he was right there all the time and you see it now. So God, I ask that your Holy Spirit be upon everyone here. Upon the time as we receive our tithe, uh, your tithe and our offerings, those who are visiting, God, just let them receive what you have. Not, we don't expect them to give, but we just want them to receive what the Holy Spirit has. For everyone who's giving, I ask that your blessing be upon the giver and the tither, and that your Holy Spirit will just move in this place. We love you, Lord. Amen.
All right, everyone, have a wonderful week. Next week's AAA. you, you got to figure it out. So um, we're not talking about cars. Have a great week. God bless. And guess what? Give some passionate worship out there. Yell, stomp, break, whatever. Have fun. It's 65 degrees. Woo! <laughs>